Life Audio. Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm very excited to have Dr. Gerald Pollack with us. Dr. Pollack maintains an active laboratory at the University of Washington in Seattle. He is the founding editor-in-chief of Water, a multidisciplinary research journal, executive director of the Institute for Venture Science, co-founder of the Fourth Phase Incorporated, and founder of the annual conference on the physics, chemistry, and biology of water. He has received numerous honors, including the Prigogine, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Yeah, you got it. about right medal for thermodynamics the university of washington annual faculty lecturer and the nih director's transformative research award and he has has the first emoto peace prize he is recognized internationally as an accomplished speaker and author welcome jerry so thank you so much for coming oh i'm just delighted thrilled to be there with you thank you you. so i've read several of your books first for those who might not be familiar can you give us a quick description of what easy or exclusion waters uh exclusion zone water is uh a quick description uh (laughs) no that's hard how to make it a quick description it's a kind of water uh that's uh, unlike liquid water in liquid water the water molecules are randomly oriented and they're bouncing around a fierce number of times per second or uh, per femtosecond. Uh, Easy water is a a kind of, you might say, structured water. Uh, That term uh, was originated by, I think, by Gilbert Ling and others, uh, who was a a pioneer in the field. And and, uh, it's it's actually a water that is liquid crystalline. Um, Mm -hmm. In other words, the molecules are organized in some some way like soldiers at attention. Yeah. So that's uh, what it just in in general that that's what we're talking about when we're talking about easy water or fourth phase water the two are the same. Right. Okay. And so how is there why is there a charge separation? I know you talk a lot about that the idea that the 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 protons and the 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 actual EZ is negatively charged and then the rest is not. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, um, yeah, it happens. Um, 
it, it it's perhaps perhaps the most important feature um uh because you know if you have charges that are separated like that you have a battery and 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 that battery is capable of delivering energy and we demonstrated it we have proof of principle that it actually can do that um um so the way the way it forms is um in 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 general there are several ways it forms but one of the principal ways uh, the way we we saw the first is that we we take um, a, a gel uh, and we immerse it into a bath of water, and in the water we have uh, little particles. and And the idea uh, that we started with wa- was was that uh, if if the wa- if there's a region of uh, water that is like a liquid crystal, liquid crystal is a bit like like ice, except that ice is hard and it occurs at a low temperature, but but everything is organized. And if it's organized uh, like a crystal, crystals tend to exclude uh, pretty much everything. Otherwise, it would be pure crystals, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they had impurities in it. So yeah. as the crystals are forming, they get rid of, I'm sorry, you have a question? Um, no, keep going. Oh, yeah. yeah, they get rid of the impurities. So so we were looking in the microscope to try to find um, a, a region uh, 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 where the the particles or we use little spheres, microspheres, where they were excluded, and mm-hmm. we found it right away. It was right immediately adjacent um, uh, to the gel surface, mm-hmm. and then we tried different gels and we tried different materials, and we found that this was a generality that we could find next to the surfaces if the surfaces were hydrophilic which most are that is water loving mm-hmm. right next to it we could find the region <clears throat> where all the microspheres were excluded and and uh, we took videos and we could see the region growing and growing as though um, a, a region <clears throat> of order was uh, started very small the, the original um water uh, was transformed into something different, uh, something ordered, something that excluded uh, the spheres. Um, and and we found that in extreme circumstances, we, we could actually see this region growing to as, as much as uh, a millimeter. Uh, you know, you can see with your naked eye, you don't even need a microscope for that. Right. But typically it was um, maybe a uh, a third of a millimeter or something like that, we can see it growing. So we we later, uh, we, we made measurements of, of the water in that in that region. We called it exclusion zone because it excluded. That was yeah. that was maybe a mistake uh, because <laughs> well, it's more than just exclude exclusion is just one sure. of many properties. Mm-hmm. There are so many properties of this water, right. all of which differ. Uh, we found from uh, properties of ordinary liquid water. Mm-hmm. So the region grows, um, and we decided to um, to stick uh, electrodes in that region to check out the electrical charge. And we were, uh, frankly, astonished uh, mm-hmm. to find that it was negatively charged. Mm-hmm. H2O is not negatively charged, but this was negatively charged. So, so it means that that the original. H2O, liquid water, had undergone some sort of transformation in, into this special structure, which which uh, we, we later uh, found out consisted of hexagonal uh, uh, honeycomb sheets, uh, one sheet stacked upon another. And it had negative charge, net negative charge. Yeah. So 
you know, because it has net negative charge, it can't be H2O because H2O is, is right. neutral. It's actually H3O2, which, which has a, a negative charge. And then we found that, um, that right next to this region of negative charge was positive charge. When you think about it, it, you must have that because you started with water, which is neutral. And so somehow the products uh, of that still must add up to neutrality. So, uh, so we, we we wind up with a, a liquid crystalline, uh, heck, honeycomb sheet-like structure, which many many sheets uh, uh, stacked upon one another yeah. with negative charge, and beyond that is positive charge. And one of the questions uh, I'm going to answer: uh, uh, very few people ever ask, but this is a critical question. Please. You, you, you will know it instantly. So, if you have negative charge and positive charge, mm -hmm. what do they want to do? <laughs> they want to they combine, want to, yeah. annihilate one another. Uh -huh. So, how is it? What I presented to you is that the EZ or fourth phase has negative charge, and right next to it or beyond it is positive charge. And Everybody would expect, yeah. What keeps them apart? Well, what keeps them apart is is the um, uh, the, the uh, honeycomb the nature of the easy layers. So it consists of a whole bunch of hexagons and those mm -hmm. hexagons are so small mm -hmm. uh, that the positive charge, which consists of uh, well, hydronium ions, that is protons latched onto water molecules or so-called positively charged water, mm -hmm. can't get in. Um, the, the holes are just too small. Yeah. Right. So they stay out and therefore, Therefore, the negative charge of the easy and the positive charge beyond the easy remain separated. So mm -hmm. you have a battery. Wow. So, okay. The, delving a little bit into the idea of the battery. So you plugged in these electrodes. What kind of a charge differential do you actually get for that? From that? Well, we, we measure it in millivolts. And oh. uh, 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 I, I, I could say that tip, typical potential difference is maybe... 50 or 100 millivolts, but it, it varies. If you're very close to uh, the gel or other nucleating surface, mm -hmm. it typically is like 200 millivolts negative. Mm -hmm. And as you move away from that surface toward the region of the positive charges, it um, the potential difference begins to diminish um, mm -hmm. and it goes toward, toward zero. And right. then you've got the positive charge beyond. Got it. So, if somebody wanted to like build one of these in their backyard, kind of a thing, uh, would you somebody have? To, if somebody sorry. wanted to build this in a backyard. Um, would you have a something to just keep those electrodes in place, and then could you just hook it up to a light bulb or something, or is there something fancy that you'd need to do in order right. to make this work? We've done exactly that. We didn't do it in the backyard. We did well, it in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, you can do it in the backyard. It works equally well. <laughs> yeah. And um, often when I give presentations, I, I show a slide of that result. And what you do is you stick one electrode in the negative zone, one yeah. electrode in the positive zone, connect mm -hmm. that to, um, well, an LED. We don't use a conventional light bulb, but... And uh, you flip the switch so that you make the connection and you can see the light shining. So we, yeah, I mean, this is, for me, this is, um, it's astonishing because, because uh, it's a previously unrecognized uh, source of energy. Exactly. It comes from water. And what I didn't tell you, but um, 
you know because you've read the books it comes the you can't create energy out of nothing right. uh, all you can do is transform energy from one kind of energy to another so right. in order to create this battery you you need to have some kind of input energy right. and we found actually we didn't find it it was a student in the laboratory a young undergraduate student who who was doing what he wasn't supposed to do uh-huh. uh, shine a lamp on the chamber and and he the region that was illuminated the exclusion zone grew uh, uh grew hugely yeah. so he called me in and I, you know and i i'd been trying to think of where does the energy come from because right, right. i knew that there had to be a source of energy and yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't exactly plug the the experimental chamber in, in into um, a receptacle on the wall and and, and get some energy <laughs> and charge it. you right. know yeah, I, I I was scratching my head so much trying to figure out that I lost all my hair. Um, <laughs> and, there, and, and there was this young undergraduate student who, you know, who was naive. I love it, yeah. And he got it. He got it. Uh-huh. So yes. so it turned out um, light was uh-huh. responsible, just like photosynthesis. You know, step one in photosynthesis um, is light impinges on the plant. And the charges are separated. The plus and minus charges in water are separated. Step one, hundred percent efficient. And what I'm telling you is, is something very similar. And mm-hmm. and in fact, w- w- we think that we we found a kind of generic phenomenon of which photosynthesis is probably the premier uh, demonstration or exponent of that because nature does something really really well. Yeah. What, what they haven't figured out, what I at least I've never seen them figure out, is is why the plus and minus charges don't recombine instantly. Uh, what we talked about a moment ago, because uh-huh. they should. Yeah. But nobody, as far as I've seen, nobody has ever addressed the question of what keeps the charges apart. Right. Um, but I I think maybe if the photosynthetic mechanism is similar to what we've we found, uh, the first step in photosynthesis. I mean, uh, then then the explanation should be should be the same and it's it's the uh easy waters hexagonal uh honeycomb sheets that don't allow the the positive hydronium ions to enter back in mm-hmm. but uh, anyway so the student found that light did it and and um you know after we could see his demonstration we decided it's really important to do some genuine experiments and so so we uh we we examined a, a wide spectrum of different wavelengths or colors, uh, ranging from at the short wavelength ultraviolet uh, through the visible spectrum from violet uh, to red, and then beyond that, longer wavelengths of infrared. Mm-hmm. Most of the wavelengths didn't do anything, not beans. Uh, and finally, we saw that the infrared was hugely powerful. We found that. Uh, very modest amounts of infrared light could could spectacularly uh, build exclusion zones, and we we could actually amplify an exclusion zone by in size by a factor of ten using very very modest um, uh, sources of infrared energy. So the bottom line is, yeah, you need energy to create this battery, and the energy, at least one form of energy, comes uh, uh, from infrared light. Right. which is all around us if you know um, a lot of people a lot of people don't know much about 
uh, infrared energy. But uh, um, you know, they think if you uh, if you got a toaster and you push down and you can see the glowing orange coils uh, mm-hmm. that you know that must be radiant energy or infrared energy but actually it's not that and that's correct but mm-hmm. it's not just that uh, everything is generating infrared energy so if you for example in in the room uh, that you're in right now your office or whatever if you were to turn off all the lights uh, so that it's pitch dark you can't see anything uh, your your cell phone camera can't record anything it's just absolutely black if you whipped out a an infrared camera that is like a regular camera, except that the sensor mm-hmm. is sensitive to infrared, not instead of visible light. If you had one of these cameras and the room is totally dark, you get a beautiful image of everything around you, including that clock that sits on the wall yeah. and the bookshelves on the other side, um, because it's all generating infrared energy, which means which means that that it's all around us uh, all the time. And that's that's, for example, why military people use it at nighttime, um, because they can see the enemy, they can see the tanks, they can see the guns, they can see everything uh, with an infrared camera. So the energy that's required for building easy is there. It's all around us. So we've got this ready source. We've got the water and we've got constant infrared energy all around us and also from the sun. Is anybody uh, trying to tap into this like at a larger scale? Uh, well, we're looking to to do this. You know, our 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 laboratory um, is um, we we do fundamental research. Right, we, of course. We we don't we except for a brief foray into um, um, into a, a venture, a commercial venture uh, that one of my students convinced me that we need to. We need to go there. Uh, I was against right. it, but he said, yeah. "Oh, you, you, you don't have to do anything. I'll do everything." And it didn't turn out that way. Anyway, <laughs> gotcha. We, we did make some progress on on one of the devices that came out of our research, but for uh, various reasons, like uh, people, people who, um, um, uh, two people on the board who couldn't get along with one another, Aww. I tried to mediate, but unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. The company, unfortunately, uh, uh, went defunct. So we're making great progress. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. One. So, 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 so we focus on the fundamentals. Um, I, uh, I have this compelling desire to find out how nature really works, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's, it's beyond, um, beyond biology. Uh, biology is, of course, uh, uh, the, the main, one of the main aspects, but. But the work that we do extends beyond. So I don't right. sort of like to be distracted uh, Get that. You know, by by uh, engineering development. Right. But I hope uh, others will or or do. Uh, and, yeah, and the, what you're talking about about getting electricity from light and water. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. just you know it's so natural, um, um, mm-hmm. and nature nature does things usually in the best way possible. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I'm optimistic that if some if some company uh, uh, wants to pursue this, mm-hmm. uh, it should be possible. And Maybe some yeah. still some fundamental research need needs to be done about some aspects, and mm-hmm. we, we would be uh, willing to do that in the laboratory, the you know mm-hmm. studying the fundamentals, but not the commercial development. 
course, of course. No. We need so, money. Yeah, I, I imagine. And those those two areas that it's it's so often that the scientific research on the ground doesn't translate to industry very quickly. <laughs> it seems no, like it doesn't. There, there's so-called valley of death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Valley, and you have to get over that valley uh, mm -hmm. to make it. Um, yeah, for sure. So, and then from a biology standpoint, as you alluded to, so our cells are what, 70% water, something like that, right? Well, yeah, it depends on the cell and also it depends on your age. Sure, uh, yeah. When you reach my age, it's a little bit less. <laughs> right. But regardless, so what are the implications from a health standpoint for easy water? Well, thank, thanks for asking. Um, the implications are central. Um, so first of all, our cells are filled with easy water. Um, mm -hmm. Our cells are not filled with liquid water. And and the way, the, the simplest way that you can demonstrate that, if you're brave enough, take a sharp razor blade and and cut. So you cut yourself, and if the cells were made of liquid water, the water would come pouring out as it would from a breached water pipe. It doesn't sure. happen. Uh, right. what, the blood comes out, for sure, but the water doesn't. Mm -hmm. And amplifying that is uh, a word from several surgeons who told me, you know, they, they'll cut deeply. That, For example, they'll cut right through a muscle, mm -hmm. uh, deep, deep in, inside, and the water doesn't come out. It stays in. So... It's not liquid water. It's um, it, it's a water that's viscous, gel-like, and it sticks inside the cell. Mm -hmm. And we understand that because inside the cell are lots of solids with mm -hmm. hydrophilic surfaces, mm -hmm. and the water, the easy water, sticks to those surfaces so it doesn't come out. So mm -hmm. the water in your cells is not liquid water. Uh, mm -hmm. It it's um, easy water, fourth phase water, or so-called structured water. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, that that's one thing now if that's true and i evidence uh, uh suggests that that it's true um then then um the the uh, generally accepted view that the negative charge inside the cell negative electrical potential the the view that you read in a textbook is this has to do with membrane pumps and channels that allow various ions to go in and go out it's a complicated story and i think it's wrong um, and um, the evidence that it's wrong, I've published a, a paper and it's in, uh, in one or two of my of my uh, books. But I I can simply say one, one thing just that that's highly, highly relevant. Um, and that is that is um, if if the, the, the cytoplasm of the cell is pretty much like a gel that's well established. Um, and um, it turns out that if you stick an electrode into the gel, uh, no membrane, uh, no pumps, no channels, you get the same electrical potential as you would in the cell. Very mm -hmm. similar. Uh, it's been shown in various laboratories, including our own. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, then there are no membranes, no pumps, no membrane, nothing. But still, you get the same result. It's right. hard to argue that, you yeah. know, that, that this potential comes from activity in the membrane since there's no membrane. Yeah, that's just, just one argument of of many. Um, so so mm -hmm. so the electrical potential comes from. Uh, I'm sorry, you you're about to ask a question, or is it just a? No, I was. I'm I'm trying to picture. So as you described before, there's this separation of the easy and the bulk water inside the cell. It's all structured. Where's the bulk water? Is there any? Uh, well, 
In, yes and no. Let, let me explain. In, in a healthy cell, mm-hmm. like, for example, a muscle cell that contracts very well, right. um, the water inside the cell is all easy water, uh, giving you a negative charge. Okay. Uh, but what happens, uh, as I describe in the Cells and Gels book, mm-hmm. Cells, Gels, and the Engines of Life 2001, mm-hmm. um, the water undergoes a transition. It's uh, the water and the proteins undergo a transition, so-called phase transition um, mm-hmm. phenomenon, well understood in physical chemistry. And, and the water uh, changes from, from the EZ or fourth phase water to ordinary liquid water. Mm, okay. And, yeah. And then back again after in a muscle cell, say after the contraction is over. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 and so when you ask the question, is the water inside the cell all easy water? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah. So in a muscle cell, if the muscle cell is relaxed, uh-huh. then it's all easy water, a healthy muscle cell. So uh-huh. the water undergoes a transition with the proteins uh, to, to a, a fold, a proteins are folded and the, the water then um, uh, becomes liquid water. And that, that's, that's the cell doing what it's designed to do. And when it's all over, it, uh, the situation returns to the initial state. The water becomes ordered again, mm-hmm. and the proteins uh, undergo uh, or occupy their extended state. That's, in a word, that's the action of the cell. Right. It's so elegant. So one thing that you, I think you described either in that book or possibly the other one is that there's two different ways in which energy is stored. It's the, it's the separation and it's also the charge, right? Am I getting right. that right? Okay. Yes, you are. Exactly. So, okay. So ATP, body's energy currency, that ends up happening as a result of some of the phase change. Like how does one convert into the other? Um, okay. Well, I, you know, I, I, um, I'm a, uh, reluctant to be extremely controversial, but, uh, <laughs> but I have to tell you, um, um, so, um, th- there's a fact that, or that you you may not be aware of, and I think your listeners uh, or viewers might not be aware of. So it was, I don't know, 80 years ago or something like that, that the idea came that ATP molecule had a high energy phosphate bond. Uh-huh. Everybody was excited about that because finally, finally, uh-huh. the source of energy could be found. Uh, okay. A year later, and... Um, if you want to find out about this, what I'm going to tell you, just look on Gilbert Ling's website. Though he passed, the website is still ongoing. It's gilbertling.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there he describes that a year later, a, a different uh, group of physical chemists wrote a paper saying, these guys are wrong. Uh, they made a mistake, a simple arithmetic error. There is no such thing as a high energy phosphate bond. Hmm. Well, since that time, Nobody has followed up. Okay. So the bottom line is that we don't know which group is right. Is it the first group uh, that came up with the original idea of a high energy phosphate bond? Mm-hmm. Or is it the second group who said it, it's all nuts? There's no such thing uh, as a high energy phosphate bond. So I guess in truth, we don't know uh, uh, whether what you stated as you know, uh, uh, fact. And everybody believes it is a fact. It, whether it's true or not true is not clear uh-huh. because nobody has followed up um, to, to check to see which one is correct. Okay. And, and um, so anybody who's seriously interested in that, you know, yeah. look at Gilbert Ling's website, get the reference and 
and read it and you know draw your own opinion so the bottom line is maybe the high energy phosphate bond and atp is responsible for all the action mm-hmm. and if so i have a hard time uh um going from what i told you about the evidence for cell action to ATP. On the other hand, if it's not correct, then we're talking about energy coming from charge separation or charge concentration. So if the cell cell is full of negative charge um, and and that negative charge, each of those negative charges repels all the others and they want to get as far away as possible from one another. And that is potential energy. The fact that all these charges, negative charges are are squeezed together and they want to get away from each other. And the getting away from each other is is the energy um, that drives it. Wow. So that's a whole frontier study that just sort of hasn't been. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, It would, you know, there there is the possibility, if it turns out that the ATP story is not correct, Mm -hmm. there's the possibility that pretty much everything in our body is run by electricity. Wow. Not chemicals. (laughs) That's fascinating for sure. So, okay. So as far as the more easy that you have in a cell, the healthier you are, is that, is that an accurate statement sort of? Yes. And I can, and and the, the, the reason is that you need all this negative charge to convert um, in, 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 to undergo the phase transition. And if you have, if your if your cell is deficient and easy, then it, it it can't do what it's what it's supposed to do, and then the cell is dysfunctional or even pathological, mm-hmm. and and the remedy to that is to try to build rebuild the easy water to bring the cell back to health. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the? So it sounds like sunlight is definitely a good way, and probably infrared sauna, right? Both is- of those are absolutely good ways. Yeah, one is to, another way is drink a lot of water. Yep. Another way is to uh, do juicing, uh, squeeze uh, squeeze um, the freshly grown leaves to extract the liquid, which is essentially the intracellular water mm-hmm. in those plants filled with EZ. So mm-hmm. you're you're drinking uh, the EZ directly. Um, and yet when it goes through your digestion, it's not like it gets disassembled and has to get reassembled. You absorb it just as is already. Well, yeah, let, let me explain there, there are two two things that are, are relevant here. The, the first is that, yeah, the stomach acid is highly acidic and ought to neutralize uh, the water that you drink. On the other hand, the amount of acidic water, it, it, the volume is very small. Um, and, and so if you drink a full glass of water, that small amount of stomach acid shouldn't result in very much neutralization. Uh, that's the first thing. The second is, what I really think is going on um, is is that as soon as you eat the food, um, the food is is essentially life, either plant life or animal life, which is which has a lot of easy water in it, um, and and that's negatively charged. And so as soon as you you eat the food, those negative charges uh, will flow to any place in your body where there are fewer negative charges. You know, mm-hmm. the electrons are going to flow downhill. So I think the electrons are extracted. And the evidence for this is maybe you have this experience that you're tired, run down, all you want to do is go to sleep. Already you feel energized. This is the experience of, you know, of many people. A little bit of food quickly, quickly gives you uh, renewed energy. Mm -hmm. So how does it do it? Well, I think 
possibility exists that it's simply that the electrons from the food are extracted mm-hmm. and, and 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 used uh, uh, basically to rebuild easy water in your cell. Mm-hmm. We know we know that passing electrons into the cell builds easy water. We done experiments, uh, you know, taking ordinary liquid water mm-hmm. and you put two electrodes in and next to the negative electrode, easy builds. Mm-hmm. So all you, all you need to do is is put electrons in. Yeah. You don't even need the nucleating surface that I was talking about. Just putting negative charge in liquid water creates easy water. So that makes me think of things like earthing. And I think that's what happens when you, I'm sorry. Sorry, oh, I was going to say that that makes me think of things like earthing, grounding, and being like near a waterfall where you're exposed to yeah. negatively charged, you know, particles in the air. Is all of that helps build it as well? Is that true? All of the above, yes. All of the above, absolutely. Wow. So you got a, a wide range, and also, I I would mention this is maybe less simple than all of those other expedients, mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, but but um hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, we were curious about it because a, a former postdoc of mine reported to me, he was working for a hyperbaric oxygen uh, company. And he said, you know, it's not just um, wounds that are healed uh, by hyperbaric oxygen therapy. That was the, it, it was used originally for that. But mm-hmm. uh, he told me there are 29 different syndromes uh, that are helped uh, if you get into a hyperbaric oxygen um, uh, chamber. Mm-hmm. And so we wondered, uh, you know, whether hyperbaric oxygen might build EZ. That was, you know, a simple hypothesis because if so, we're talking about EZ throughout the body. It doesn't matter where or what the problem is. And mm-hmm. we confirmed that um, high oxygen builds EZ water, high pressure builds EZ water. So you put the two together and it, powerfully builds easy water and and i think that that's another expedient it's not a simple um you know because you need a hyperbaric oxygen therapy yeah. chamber in order to get yeah yeah but effective in doing that and i think sure. that's a reason why those chambers are so effective right uh, well and it, this also seems to imply at least one of the possible reasons why oxidative stressors are a problem because they're going to strip away some of the electrons right is that part of the underlying right. Right, right. Exactly. And what about EMF? Is that has that been studied at all for this? Well, um, yeah, it's been it's been studied by uh, a number of uh, people. Um, we actually we actually did some experiments. Uh, we we put a, a router, um, Wi-Fi router, mm-hmm. next to a chamber where we have had easy, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the student found that when he turned on the Wi-Fi, it diminished the size of the easy. Mm-hmm. A technical problem. The student graduated. I haven't been able to track the student or find him. Oh, so no. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't published, but there is um, another group uh, who wants to repeat the experiments. Um, and I hope they do. Um, uh, a group, I think, of Germans, mm-hmm. uh, because they asked me for all the protocols and such. And so I hope. And then um, there's the, the book, The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg. You mm-hmm. You know, you nodding. I know the book. I haven't read it, but I know what it is. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's practically encyclopedic, um, um, demonstrating uh, that 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 every time every time a, a a new advance in electrical energy and communication, whatever, 
uh, came into being, there was always a pandemic that followed for a year or two after. Oh, yes. I think I have heard that. Uh -huh. Amazing. I mean, and, you know, his evidence is that is encyclopedic. Um, mm -hmm. You almost almost wish, OK, enough evidence. You've convinced me. But there's more and more and more. So right. that book is really a, a, a tremendous contribution to understanding. Um, huh. And so I'm sitting here with a laptop on, on my lap. Uh -huh. uh, not knowing exactly the impact, but uh, I I also have a, a cloth that is is said to um, uh, ameliorate the effects or absorb the energy. And whether it works, I'm not sure, but I'm trusting that it might. You got to do, yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, so sp sort of speaking of water, what is your opinion of the hydrogen water phenomenon? Does that contribute to this at all? Uh, I, I have. No comment on that because I haven't followed it or studied it. Okay, so, got it. so okay. yeah, it, se it seemed to me that it should make things worse based on this theory. But well, I just... I, yeah, I, I, again, uh, no comment because fair yeah. enough. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, let's see. And then you also said ultrasound is another way that you can build easy water as well, or agitation in general, right? Like blending. Uh, yeah, you you can. Uh, um, you you can do that uh, ultrasound. You know we we tried ultrasound um, did did some experiments in which we applied ultrasound. It's it's uh, the same frequency as used for imaging uh, ultrasound imaging. Right. Uh, and and um, and so what we found in a series of experiments is you turn on the ultrasound and first easy diminishes. And then you turn off the ultrasound and easy builds up and builds to much higher mm -hmm. uh, 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 si much larger size than existed initially mm -hmm. and eventually after a goodly amount of time it returns to the original so mm -hmm. it seems except except for the uh, the, the, the brief period of time that it was on the after effect is to build easy water mm -hmm. and, we haven't studied it anymore. We don't know whether uh, whether um, it's pure easy water or whether it might be that bubbles formed and they have easy shells and and they actually added to the existing easy, which made the easy look bigger. We're we're still not sure okay. of that. Got it. Interesting. That brings up another question I had just on kind of the way that within bulk water, you say that this is constantly. Um, there's, there's, how did you phrase it? That, that there's almost like cells or structures within bulk water, you know, the, 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 uh, reflection of water that you can see where you can see the patterns in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I phrasing this poorly? No, you're phrasing very well, but I'm okay. please. Um, so what I'm wondering uh, about is how does it happen when there's no surface to trigger the arrangement of the EZ? Why does it happen spontaneously in like the ocean, for example? Well, you, you, we we did experiments and we found that if you apply, say, an electric field um, to um, uh, um, to some uh, some water, mm -hmm. um, and you know there is an electric field around the Earth, so the Earth is negative, as you pointed out, but up in in, in the ionosphere is positive, which mm -hmm. means it's like a capacitor where you have positive charge up there, negative charge down here, and if you have a capacitor, then you have electric field lines going from plus to minus going in this direction that is perpendicular to the surface of the earth huh. and uh, we did experiments and published them several years ago showing that 
that um, some frequencies uh, of electric field mm-hmm. uh, uh, build easy water. And we don't know why that's the case. Some and some frequencies don't, but we found that some some do. So, so that that's one feature that um, possibly, you know, we see easy water in the ocean, and um, um, this could be one reason uh, why we see it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure of, of other uh, reasons, but one thing you know that I've been <laughs> I've been thinking about. Uh, and I'm sorry for going on beyond your question oh, that's cool. it, well you know from from space uh, the earth looks blue mm-hmm. right water's blue mm-hmm. but water has no color right no so, i've wondered about that too yeah well easy water does have color because easy easy water fluoresces and the fluorescence and we reported that uh easy fluorescence the color depends on what kind of light is illuminating the re- region of interest? Uh-huh. It depends which wavelength of light. So you can get different fluorescent colors. And I, I, I think that's the reason um, why, uh, not only why, why the ocean is blue, why you can see it blue, because the ocean contains lots of easy water. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, you know, you see pictures of tropical areas and the water looks blue or blue-green or something like that. And the usual explanation is minerals, uh, but you know, if you put modest amount of mineral salts in water, you don't get any color. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, I think it's the fluorescence of the easy water that's creating these colors. And maybe I don't know. Uh, you don't where you live. There are not too many glaciers, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, I I was just in um, in uh, Europe in the Alps. Uh, mm-hmm. Just last week, uh, there were a couple of conferences nearby, and I stopped off, and and um, I could see a a, a lake uh, with a, a green blue a green blue green color, mm-hmm. and the lake was created by melting glacier uh, just just behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that if you start with ice as in a glacier, and the ice melts, it melts not directly into easy water, but uh, in, into liquid water, but easy water first. So ice to easy water to liquid water. And if you want to freeze it, it's exactly the opposite. It's uh, ordinary water to easy water and then to ice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it means that a glacier that's melted either into, into a river or into a, a pond or a, a lake is going to have color to mm-hmm. it because because of the fluorescence and and that's I think why um, I found uh, on a regular basis that in every country that I've seen this uh, Austria Switzerland Canada that when the ice melts from mm-hmm. a glacier the river that's created is green oh that's amazing very cool so um, another kind of side note on this one of the things that I've noticed in practice recently is that for some of my hypersensitive cases and I'll get to how this relates in a second for the people that are really really toxic one of the very first things I have to do is flush their lymphatic system so the extracellular fluid before I start trying to detox the cells so when I read your book one of my thoughts was because there's there's for most people that seems to work really well there's a few people that just don't seem to budge even with that and so I started to wonder if there's a way we can build up the EZ. Is that what really is 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 lacking? Like we need to have more fluid in order to flush out all the toxins. Any comments on that? 
or thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I uh, I do have comments. So, um, you know, no nobody nobody really has understood what makes the lymphatic vessels flow, um, yeah. right? And and uh, and I, I I think we we found an answer an answer not only to lymphatics but to veins and arteries and other vessels in our in our body. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, uh, may I take a couple minutes to describe? Please. Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, so we found in the laboratory, uh, we found something again, another undergraduate, uh, you know, who I guess didn't really know the importance of what he was studying. Uh, uh, one day he came barging into my office. I was sitting with somebody and, you know, he, he, uh, usually I leave my, my door slightly ajar because you know, when people want to come in or students or whatever, um, uh, uh, I want to welcome them, yeah. uh, and but usually they're polite, and you know they'll they'll uh, edge the door slightly uh, more open. Uh, are you busy? Can I, you know, some some polite. He didn't do that. He just pushed open the door, and uh, I was sitting sitting with a, a visitor, and the visitor was maybe not so interesting, <laughs> and so I was very happy that he came in to interrupt the, the discussion. Yeah. He said, "I found something that you know is." interesting and i wanted to share it with you so okay what did you find that's interesting uh he said well i immersed these tubes um made of a material called mafion mm-hmm. into into um a, a chamber in a horizontal fashion mm-hmm. uh, I just put it in the chamber and and flow went through through the tube and never ending and um i thought if he's right this is pretty interesting because in order to produce that flow, you needed energy. You need uh, like a pressure gradient, yeah. you know, sort of like in your cardiovascular system, uh, uh, the heart is generating pressure to send it through the large vessels. Uh, so uh, I, I was thinking uh, uh, that that uh, th- this this actually substantiates what we had found just earlier that infrared energy. I was being absorbed by water and could confer in somehow could confer uh, energy, you know, and, and he demonstrated that that was, that was the case. So I, I was really excited about it. We confirmed uh, we wrote several papers on it and we, we kind of understand the mechanism that um, in, inside, inside the vessel, or at least one mechanism, there, there may be others uh, inside, inside the vessel an easy grows an annular easy with mm-hmm. negative charge, yeah. and the positive charge sits right at, at the core in the center, mm-hmm. and those positive charges repel each other, mm-hmm. and they're free. They're free hydronium ions, and they're going to exit at one end or the other end, sure. uh, okay. depending on various factors. So, so that, and and if the hydronium ions that is positively charged water exits from one end, it's going to draw new water in the back end, mm-hmm. and that one is the, the same thing. It will perpetuate itself, and. So that's what we found, and and then um, regarding the lymphatics, I'm I'm getting to that. So, I was in Russia, and was visiting my friend Vladimir Vaikov, who is who is uh, the effective head of the biochemistry department at Moscow University, and he quickly introduced me to a colleague of his from down the hall, and the guy couldn't speak English, so Vladimir uh, translated. And he started by saying to me, there's a big problem in the cardiovascular system. And I'm thinking, hey, 
<laughs> what's what is this guy going to tell me uh, in my my phd i studied pressures and flows in the cardiovascular system uh, and you know i thought i had it all worked out um, and in five minutes he had me convinced that i was wrong wow uh, so why am i wrong um he said the problem is this the problem the problem is um that that in the cardiovascular system um the red blood cells um have a dimension of uh, six or seven micrometers um on the other hand some of the small capillaries have a, a diameter half of that so something like three or four micrometers so you got a plumbing problem uh, and you know what happens uh, you know, uh, if if your toilet gets stopped up, uh, uh -huh. you need to take the plunger, you know, and right. and, and plunge. Uh, so it requires energy to to crunch those red blood cells to uh, um, a configuration where they actually can get through those tiny capillaries. Mm -hmm. And and I have videos showing that uh, that the red blood cells, which you know, the, has the classic um, a donut kind of shape, um, uh, get squeezed as they, they have to get squeezed because otherwise they wouldn't be able to go through. And that requires energy. Mm -hmm. So uh, he calculated how much energy is required. And of course, any calculation uh, could be erroneous in, in some ways, but even if he's wrong by uh, by a factor of 10 or 100 or so still is a big problem because he calculated that that if the pressure of the ventricle is responsible not only for driving the flow but for squeezing the red cells that pressure would need to be something like one million times higher uh, than it actually is oh, wow uh, that's sort of high blood pressure yeah um, yeah so he might you know even if his calculation is off is a problem. Um, so some, somehow he concluded that there must be um, something else besides the heart that's driving the blood. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, 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 I'm thinking, uh, well, we, in the laboratory, we just found this so-called spontaneous flow uh, through tubes. Maybe uh -huh. the same thing is going on there. Uh -huh. um, well, uh, and and we tested it, and and we found indeed that that's the case. The we just published two weeks ago. Oh, really? Uh, uh, we tested the signature feature uh, of this mechanism, namely that if we add infrared energy, um, it dry it, it it goes faster, and we found exactly that. So we concluded that that in in your cardiovascular system and in mine, <laughs> um, I guess not sure of mine, <laughs> but. Uh, but it's run not only by the heart, but it's also driven by the vessels themselves. Wow. Just like in the laboratory. Uh -huh. When you think about it also, my student uh, found literature and it turns out, it turns out that when the heart stops, you'd expect, you expect that the flow would stop, but it doesn't stop. It actually, he found uh, it, it goes on for an extended length of time, indicating that, you know, there's got to be another mechanism besides the heart because the heart's not pumping anymore. Right. He also found in the literature over the past hundred years um, that there have been, he found, I think, six different publications showing exactly that. The heart stops, circulation continues. Goodness. Which means, or I guess, which can only only mean that there's got to be something else. Sure, yeah. You know, simple logic. So, 
So the conclusion of uh, of that, I'll get to the lymphatics in a moment. The conclusion of all that is is that our circulatory system um, is run is driven by by two two drivers. One is the heart, that we already know, and the other is the vessels themselves. Wow. And we actually don't know uh, how much of the energy comes from the heart and how much comes from the vessels because because the setup we used uh, was not capable of demonstrating it. The reason is, you know, when you stop the heart, the heart transitions uh, from a pump to an obstacle <laughs> sitting there doing nothing. Right. And if if the vessels are driving driving the flow, that flow meets that obstacle and slows down. Sure. So in order to find out, we got to remove the obstacle. Uh, <laughs> and then, so it might be, you know, it might be the heart represents uh, only a, only a small fraction of the energy that's responsible for driving the flow, or it might be uh, the the as thought now the major um, uh, uh, contributor. We're not sure. At the same time, now um, uh, if if this flow uh, occurs in the laboratory in various tubes, uh, a whole lot of them we we tried and. In the cardiovascular system, then of course it raises the question: Well, what about the lymphatics? Why, why would that be exempted from uh, from it? And so, I think that the lymphatic flow might actually be driven by this very same mechanism. Um, we haven't written any papers on it, but it seems logical that that's the case. And if you put your hands on there, the infrared uh, from your hands or the pressure um, can can amplify that flow. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So the idea of manually moving things or there's herbs that will do it, but you could also do all of the things that will build easy. And theoretically that would have a similar Absolutely. amplification effect. Absolutely. So, amazing. So what have I not asked you that you want to make sure you leave with our audience? General philosophy. Okay. Um, um, most of science today um, the scientists are dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Um, and we've had we've had almost no scientific revolutions. We had lots of technological revolutions, you know, like the computer that I'm using right now uh, and such. But I'm talking about fundamental scientific revolutions, you know, of the same magnitude as say uh, the, the uncovering of the genetic code that was 65 years ago. The splitting of the atom that was 75 years ago it's really hard to think of something like that that's happened in the past 30 or 40 years mm -hmm. and what's the reason for it so you know it might be said that everything that needs to be known or that could be known is already known and uh, <laughs> i would challenge that immediately mm -hmm. uh, um, the second reason is that, is that scientists are less clever than they were you know that mm -hmm. might and the third reason is, is that there, there's some um, obstacle in the way science is getting done. And I think that's the case. So if, um, for example, if you um, if you had an idea, this is an example I'd like to uh, to give, you have an idea that the earth is round, mm -hmm. right? But everybody, everybody knows the earth is flat. <laughs> that's the prevailing view, it's flat earth. Yeah. And you decide, um, you know, you've got some, quote, preliminary evidence that mm -hmm. the earth is round and you want to get money to, to get more evidence. You, your preliminary evidence is 
you've assembled some photos taken from satellites and from the moon, and you could see the curvature. Yeah. And and you've also decided to take off uh, from where you are, go west, uh, and land in San Francisco, and then Tokyo, and then Beijing, and uh, uh, Afghanistan, and London, keep circling the earth, and you come back to the same place. And so it looks like that also is you know, good evidence that the earth is actually a sphere and not, is not a flat sheet. Uh -huh. And um, you assemble that evidence and you write a proposal, please give me money, uh, either a National Science Foundation or whatever foundation. Um, and, um, and your application is received uh, by the gatekeeper, mm -hmm. a conscientious um, uh, young, uh, maybe flunky or, or not, or whatever, who gets <laughs> this job being the gatekeeper and sees, oh, hmm, this, this proposal from Lauren, um, hmm, I don't, I don't know her, but um, this is a pretty radical idea. I, I would better, in order to make sure that it's properly reviewed, I, I better recruit the world's experts um, on the shape of the earth to see whether this is this is real because if it's real it's really important or it's flaky mm -hmm. uh, and so who are those reviewers well they're the experts in flat earth mm -hmm. right because everybody thinks so mm -hmm. so what you're proposing is to step on their toes of course you're right they're wrong mm -hmm. and you know human nature um it it doesn't it doesn't work very well and, like and so mm -hmm. so uh, is it's the system that um, I mean you you could be spawning a scientific revolution if you're right about about the round earth, um, but the system doesn't allow you to do it. And you know most scientists are clever enough to figure out that they better not challenge the status quo because they're going to fail. If they fail, it may be that they won't be able to put bread on the table of their families. Um, uh, some people are supported their own salaries are supported by grants mm -hmm. so you have to be you have to be careful about that i hesitate to use the word corrupt uh, because the system is not really in, intended to be corrupt but but it, it suffers this kind of serious problem and i think mm -hmm. i think that may be the reason uh, uh, why we've had no scientific revolutions we need revolutions we need them badly uh, mm -hmm. because it be, it, because um, uh, you know, revolutions inevitably lead to lead to new technologies, and yeah. we need these new technologies to help solve the many problems of the world. But we're not getting them; we're just Absolutely. getting incremental improvements. So I think uh, um, uh, that first of all, the system needs needs to change. It's uh, uh, seriously uh, antithetical to the development of radical ideas it, 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 we're impacted just as well it's almost impossible you know with with our you might say radical views of of biology and beyond to get money uh it's a real struggle and in order to in order to to keep going we need we need funding but it's really hard to get funding for the reasons that i i i just mentioned right. and so uh, at, at the risk of belaboring the point i just want to say that that it's really important to study fundamentals mm -hmm. you know we don't uh, for for example any foundation that we we like to build on needs to be secure it needs to be firm uh, otherwise any mechanism that builds 
on a foundation that's not correct is going to be uh, just very complicated and frankly wrong. Mm -hmm. So uh, my view is that, you know, somehow we should not hesitate to go down to the deepest foundational levels and build up from there. Yeah. And well, I, I'm trying to do that. Um, uh, I've got two books coming and one of them is actually on the, um, the second one is on the structure of the atom. Oh, wow. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, we learn we learn that the atom is like a solar system. Um, uh, you know, we learned that in middle school, but mm -hmm. how do we know it's correct? It was put forth by a human being. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. You know, uh, and human beings can be wrong, um, although we like to think they're right. It's been mm -hmm. it's been in the textbooks for five generations. Um, uh, you know, and and um, is it is it right? So I could. I think convince you uh, in two minutes uh, um, that there's something fundamentally wrong, um, if I may. Just yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you have a nucleus. A nucleus consists of, in theory, um, consists of protons and neutrons. The neutrons are neutral; they're just sort of like dead weight. Mm -hmm. uh, the protons are positively charged. Mm -hmm. You squeeze positive charges together. What do they want to do? Well repel so the nucleus should explode mm -hmm. now the the uh, physicists recognize this fundamental problem and they invented something called quote the strong force yes so no evidence for the in, in no independent <laughs> evidence it just sort of glue that was invented to hold it all together uh, mm -hmm. interesting yeah and then well, i'll give you one more but there are a half dozen uh, mm -hmm. uh one more is that nucleus is positively charged Mm -hmm. Electrons are negatively charged. Mm -hmm. I learned in middle school that minus and plus attract one another. Right. Therefore, why don't those electrons attracted to the nucleus collapse onto the nucleus? Uh, basically, uh, <laughs> meaning that there's no atom anymore. It's just yeah. Mm -hmm. So th those are a couple of the fundamental flaws. Mm -hmm. The atom needs to be stable. It can't explode and can't it can't um, contract to nothing. Mm -hmm. And so um, in, I've indeed come up with, with an alternative model that I think explains the evidence better. Wow. I'm giving you this just as an example yeah. um, uh, of that we really need to be sure of the foundation. If we're not sure of the foundation, everything will be super complicated. That's where we are today. Sure, yeah. It's the Occam's razor thing, right? The idea the of... Occam's razor thing, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, simplicity. Nature operates on simplicity mm -hmm. so i think that book coming uh, out well um the the limiting factor is the artist who is my son mm -hmm. uh he's supremely talented if you read the fourth phase book you'll see oh that was uh, him yeah that was him okay uh, and he decided a few years ago that his family is growing that he needed a home remodel <laughs> dad if you don't mind i'm going to do it i'm going to have to take a year off to do it well, three and a half years later, finally, he's getting back to it. And oh, yeah. I was working on the first book, which I didn't mention, uh, first new book, which deals with the um, uh, the unsuspected role of electricity in nature that we see around us. Uh, so many things, I believe, uh, the evidence uh, suggests are, are run by electric charge. Uh, we don't think of it that way. And that, that ranges 
all the way from weather, uh, in which uh, I spent four chapters developing how weather actually works from first principles up to hurricanes. Mm -hmm. I won't find anything anywhere on that because I think it doesn't exist. So I made an attempt. Gravitation, how that works. Uh, uh, how birds fly, um, how fish swim, and stuff like that. And I don't argue, shy away from anything. <laughs> pardon me. I said no, you I don't, don't shy away from anything. <laughs> no, I don't shy away because um, you know deep down, and I can't, I can't figure out what the reasons are. But I'm looking for truth at the most fundamental level. Yeah. And so I'm also, uh, you know, just before this interview, I was working on chapter three of my books on uh, my book on volcanoes and earthquakes. Uh, so no, I don't shy away from anything. I think water uh, is is involved um, in in a way that uh, I'll leave the explanation for the book, but sure. very simple. Um, right now we have no idea where the energy comes from, the energy to power a volcanic eruption or an earthquake, um, hmm. which we're anticipating in the Seattle area where I live at 9.1. Um, yeah it's happened if i remember the span of time uh roughly every 300 or 350 years mm -hmm. um many times on and on and we're way beyond uh, we're due we're overdue anytime so you know the devastating earthquakes that we hear about all the time are usually magnitude seven or something like that mm -hmm. nine nine or 9.1 nine. is a yeah. hundred times stronger right <laughs> my goodness Wow. Yeah. Well, where can people go who want to find out more about you? Uh, well, <laughs> there are many, many presentations on the internet, um, slide presentations, other, there are other interviews, but I think the best place um, is to read, read the book, um, The Fourth Phase of Water. Uh, the book has turned out to be very popular. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think Popularity is probably rests on the the artistic contribution of my son. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. also the, how revolutionary the idea is too. Well, yeah, there are revolutionary ideas, but uh, I'm proud of my son and how he illustrates. He, he's a sculptor by training. And one day he said, Dad, I would like to illustrate your books. So mm -hmm. there we are. Uh, yeah, I think that that's the best place, the fourth phase of water. And, and there are many papers in the literature, if you uh, just look under my name or on, on my website, university website, um, pollocklab.org, mm -hmm. um, you, you can find a lot there as well. Fantastic. Well, I will link to the book and to your website in the show notes. And thank you, Jerry. This has been fantastic. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it's really fun. And uh, please take care. And uh, it was, it was really my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. 
we have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression? Unfortunately, even in the alternative healing professions, this isn't a given. That's why I've created wholehealthdoctor.com, a resource to help connect patients to healthcare practitioners in their area who share a root cause philosophy. Alternatively, most of the practitioners listed also practice telehealth. So if there isn't anyone local to you, you can still find a great practitioner to help you regain optimal health. Go to wholehealthdoctor.com. That's whole healthdr.com, type in your location or adjust the specialty that you're looking for and find the practitioner who's right for you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you, so please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren DeVille. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take. But I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the TMUS podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.